Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, chapter 25 today. Uh, Opening thought, there's a television show that was pretty popular up until maybe just a few years ago. It was called Deal or No Deal. Anybody remember the show? How many of you have seen Deal or No Deal? Okay, quite a few, bunch of us. Reminder, I'll try to remind you of how the show goes in case you don't know it well. There's a contestant, and the contestant chooses one of 26 different briefcases. Inside the briefcases are monetary values of everything from a penny up to a mil- There's a million-dollar briefcase. And then the contestant goes through a series of kind of decisions as the, as the different briefcases are limited. And ultimately, they hope at the end of the show, they end up with like the million-dollar case. Uh, the other twist in the show is every once in a while, they will be offered a deal to basically take a guaranteed sum of money and then it'll be over. Like, so if there's a number of different cases left with different dollar values, they might say, okay, well, there's a, you know, a $75 case and all these other things. They'll say, we'll give you, you know, $26,000 guaranteed right now to finish the show and you can walk away with that. And then the purse, that's when they say deal or no deal. And the person either takes the deal or they say no. All right, you ready? You got it? This is a specific story of Luis. Here's a picture of Luis. Went through the entire show. He ended up at the end, he's either going to get the five, a $5 case or the $750,000 case. That's quite a difference, isn't it? $5 or $750,000. And so then they interrupt the show and, uh, and Howie Mendel says, wait, okay, here's the deal we're going to offer you. A guaranteed $333,000, right? So you... Do you want to risk that or guaranteed $333,000? Deal or no deal? All right, pause. How many of you would take the deal, the 300 guaranteed? Like, okay, how many of you would risk it and go for You guys are nuts. You really would do that. Wait, raise your hand. We're identifying you as mentally unstable. One, two, three. No, no, there's a dozen of you. Okay, it's valid. No, um, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So, on the, and on, but on the television show with Luis, you want to know how it turned out? Luis, like his family that was kind of there and the audience, everybody was saying, take the deal. They were like, most of us, take the deal. Guess what he did? No deal. You know what he ended up with? Five bucks. And as I was watching the video clip of that, the thing, one thing that came to my mind is, you're dumb, <laughs> Luis. I, with all the love in my heart, I was thinking, that was dumb. Because that was a bad deal. That brings up a question that we're going to deal with a little bit today. Have you ever made a bad deal? Sure, we all probably have in some ways. 
I recently was at a secondhand shop and bought, I think, three, two shirts, three shirts. And I got them home and tried them on again and thought, I'll never wear this. <laughs> I never wore any of them. That was a bad deal. Sometimes it's a bigger thing than that. Maybe you have, a, have had a purchase, a car purchase, and you thought, oh, this will be good. And then you end up realizing in hindsight, that was not the best deal. By the way, the Bible records different times in history where God's people or potential pe- God's potential people would just make bad deals. A couple of examples. In Luke 18, Jesus tells a man, here's his, the deal he offers him. He says, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he says, then come follow me. I think this is an invitation for him to be one of the core disciples in the Bible. That, that would be a good deal, by the way, but the guy declines. That's a bad deal. In Mark 4, no, 8, 36, says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? That's, that would be, that's an important decision. And Matthew 26 tells the story of Judas. He was one of the disciples, the disciple that betrayed Jesus Christ. And he did it for 30 pieces of silver. Judas ends up in hell for 30 coins. That's bad deal. Hold the thoughts. We're in a series called Drifters. When wandering turns into tragedy. We're kind of learning from some of the uh, epic fails in the Bible. And today we're going to look at a guy who makes a really bad decision on a deal. His name is Esau. It's a story of these brothers, Esau and Jacob. So there's one historical fact that uh, I want to let you in on before we read the story. It'll help the story make sense. Family line or lineage is important in uh, the Scripture. It's important to God in many ways. But that's why when you read the Bible, there are times you'll get to pages that says, like, so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, and so-and-so was the father of so-and-so. And they have these lo- It's the pages that a lot of times you skip. You know, you get eight names into it, and you go, I can't pronounce these anyway, so you just bounce to the end. So anyway, so lineage is important. The other thing is, in the Old Testament, uh, where we're going to read today, uh, birth order. If you were the firstborn, the firstborn son, especially, that was a big deal. Here uh, in our text, it's going to call it the birthright. Here's what that means. Birthright usually refers to the right of the son born first in a family to inherit his father's possessions and authority. In ancient Israel, all the sons received some of their father's property, but the firstborn received a double portion and became the leader of the family. So that's a pretty big deal. So in today's text, you may have heard of Abraham, Isaac. Isaac marries Rebekah, and Rebekah is pregnant, and she's not just pregnant with one. She's going to have twins. So that'll be a little... That's interesting if the firstborn, because you're going to have two. Well, apparently it matters which one comes out first. And so that's the, that's the context here, picking it up in verse 24. 
When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So he's like a hairy ginger. Ish. All right. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. So Esau is the firstborn. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Bounce to verse 27. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter. That's the firstborn, redheaded, hairy guy. A man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, that's the father who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau, firstborn uh, outdoorsman, came in from the open country famished, and he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. That's a big deal. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore on an oath, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stool. Stool. Nope, that would be a different thing, especially if you work in a hospital. Sorry about that one. That's a bad deal. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have sold his birthright for that. <laughs> I can't go on. That was a bad one. We should put that in the blooper reel. So he ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. And in the midst of it, that is a horrible deal. You know, he sold double inheritance, all this stuff, for a bowl of soup and a piece of bread. Bad deal. Side note as well, even today when you get to know more about the Bible and biblical history, you'll hear about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It could have been so different. It would have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. This one decision, really bad deal. Title of the talk is Esau. Probably the worst, I'm sorry, possibly the worst trade ever. And we're going to explore how it happened and a couple principles that can guard us from making a really bad deal. Physically, financially, spiritually, these are good cautions. So let me pray. Lord, um, will you give us things today that will be protections to us in the future that we might make wise choices? Be our teacher, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got two ideas from the text. It's basically how bad deals come about. The first one is this. Bad deals come from 
what we're going to call unbridled urges. It's like moving recklessly, quickly. In verse 30, if you have that written down, in verse 30, it's Esau says to Jacob, I just noticed, quick. He says, quick. Let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished, exclamation point. And in verse 32, he says, I'm about to die. When I read that, I'm about to die. I think, do you exaggerate very much? Esau, because my guess is, well, maybe he was, but my guess, he really isn't about to die, but he's just really, really hungry, and he comes in with his urgency, this thing, by the way, this word quick, uh, it could be translated, I pray, it means now, I entreat you, I beseech you, I implore you, it's a very strong word, probably an emotionally driven word. Some other ways that this same sentence has been translated, the New Living Translation says, Esau said, I'm starved, exclamation point, give me some of that red stew. Another version says, let me eat some of that red stew, I am exhausted. I also chose the King James Version because it's just interesting to me, the language, it comes in, he says, feed me, I pray thee. With that same red pottage, for I am faint. I just picture, you know, the, the, the old English, ah, brother, feed, feed me, I pray thee. Some of that pottage. Anyway, I thought it was kind of fun. But anyway, it happened. He comes with this urgent, emotional, now, I got to have it. Now, and it provokes a question for us, how many bad consequences are connected to quick decisions? A lot. Think about it in your life. Have you made any really bad decisions? And it's because you made them too fast. Uh, the first time I ever drank uh, alcohol, just thought I'd clarify there in case you're like, oh, I was a senior in high school at a graduation party, and Tony, uh, by the way, I was pretty content not to drink. I didn't grow up in a, in a drinking household, wasn't really. And, and Tony, at the party, he had a real urgency, and so he started doing this, come on, Pope, come on, man, we're going to graduate. Let me make you a drink. It would just be awesome, right? It's, you know how that... that the thing, you know, so come on, Paul, come on, let me make you a drink, it'll be the best thing ever. I don't know what I was thinking, so I'm like, yeah, after, he kind of wore me down, I'm like, okay, whatever, Tony, make me a drink, and I'll drink it for you, that'll make you happy. So then he makes me uh, what I think he called a Tony special, should have been a warning side, I just didn't know, put it in, one of, in a big styrofoam cup, and he's like, yeah, this would be great, so I remember, I still remember, like, like whether I smelled it or tasted it and thought, I'm not sure you're supposed to ingest, this doesn't, really? This is what we're going to drink? And so I think I tasted a little bit and thought, you got to be kidding me. And then, you, so you know what I did? I just thought, I'll, I'll just drink it fast. 
So I just took the whole thing and chugged it. Oh, gosh. That's bad. I, and it, it's the, it got bad that night. And by the way, it's one of those moments where, you know, another word that probably applies in here is hasty. It's just hasty decisions. And that's one of the moments in my life, if I could go back and change just that one hasty decision, I would go back and change that. And I would have said, no, I don't want that. Because not like, not like some people struggle with alcohol, but that set me up for multiple different times I was tempted or fell or did things I never would have done had I never made that first hasty decision. Does that make sense? We make some really bad decisions with when we're just urgent and move too fast and don't think through the situation. We make financial decisions that are sometimes hurtful, relational decisions. I've done some marriage counseling with different people, and sometimes their story will be even something like, oh, yeah, well, we got engaged on our third date. And you go, oh, maybe that's why we're in counseling now. Because after three days, that's pretty fast. Or spiritually, spiritually, we should be running our decisions through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God and with the counsel of godly people and just through prayer. And instead, we just go, oh, yeah, we're just going to go do this. And we would do better to slow down and get God involved. It reminded me of the reality that there's nothing in Scripture that records Jesus ever running even though he dealt with what many of us would describe as emergency situations. He doesn't run. Now, does he have urgency? Is he intentional? Absolutely. Does he get a lot of things done? Absolutely. But he never runs. There's record in John 4 of Jesus sitting down and having a conversation with a woman. In Luke 4... This is just before he starts his public ministry. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He goes out alone, fasts and prays for 40 days in preparation. Just think about that. He set aside 40 days being alone. He was tempted. That's a long, that is a slow process before he gets launched into ministry. One of my favorite examples of Jesus' pace in life is this is after his resurrection, and a lot of disciples and followers were just confused. Like he died on the cross, but now he's not in the grave. And so there were two of his disciples that were headed toward a village called Emmaus, which was about a seven, seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're out on this seven-mile walk, It'd be, you could compare it to like going from here to Elkhart County. That's a long walk. It's going to take you several hours. And it says, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. I assume Jesus knew his plan was to reveal himself to them. He didn't reveal who he was till the end of the walk and then a little bit after. I think it speaks to Jesus' pace. So, 
Here's a question for us. Is my pace prone to making good decisions? That's the application. And you might pause and think of the different hats you wear, different areas of responsibility. Does my pace help me make good decisions relationally? Your marriage, if you're married, your dating relationships. If you're a parent, are you going too fast to make good decisions in raising your kids? It it affects finances. Spiritually, are we going too fast to get Godly counsel from others, include God in prayer. Like, do you you make decisions and then they get messy and then you go, oh, hey, God, why is this a mess? And he's like, yeah, because you didn't talk to me. Well, now can you fix it? There's a real wisdom in, by the way, I don't think we, we, we don't call a walk with God a run with God. It's a walk with God. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. By the way, if you want to practice this, we're doing uh, prayer and worship gatherings, which I just enjoy the pace of them. You don't have to go for the whole time. It's an hour and a half, but you can tend for 20 minutes. We just do these, and it might add to you a spiritual discipline of the ability to go slow. By the way, for some of you who get a lot of stuff done and you're quick moving and urgent and all that stuff. I'm not saying change that is who you are. I'm saying make sure you add to your skills the ability to pause and slow down at times. It'll help us ultimately be productive. All right, so that was the first idea. Bad deals come from unbridled urges. And the second one is they come from unrecognized enemies. A story before we get back into the text. Uh, I'm letting you write that down, sorry. Unrecognized enemies. Did I fill in all the blanks so far or did I miss one? Did I miss one? Oh, okay. We shall, I beseech thee, let us go back and fixeth. Is my pace prone to making good decisions? Did we do that? There. Okay, Esau's desperation was a step toward his demise. All right, thanks. We have a great tech team. Will you give the tech team a round of applause? Woo! All right, now I don't know where I am at all. Okay, bad, unrecognized enemies. Thanks for the, thanks for the looks on your faces. People in the front are gone. It's super helpful. So I um, went to visit my mom. This is a few years back. My mom's passed away now. But uh, in her last uh, several years, she lived really close to us so that we could visit her a lot and help take care of her and stuff. So I visit her at her uh, little apartment at the retirement center and uh, popped in, quick knocked on the door, went inside. She was in a back room and... She said, Mark, I'm so glad you're here. Come, I need your help. 
come in here. And so I walk in, and she's on her computer, and she said, there's a guy on the phone, and he, somehow my bank account got messed up, and so they, they deposited some, but they're, and they took some out, but they're trying to get it back into my account. So he's trying to help me get this money back into my account. And I remember looking at the screen. We weren't moving the cursor. The cursor was getting moved on her computer. I mean, this is a scam. How many of you are mad right now? Right. So, and I quickly saw this and said, oh, mom, and basically... What I told her very uh, quickly was, Mom, this guy is not trying to help you. He's trying to steal from you. And then, you know, she was like, oh. Um, but I share that story to get back, now to get back to the text. Esau and Jacob, Jacob is not trying to help Esau with his hunger issue. He's trying to steal from him. We're going to talk a little bit about enemies. Jacob is capitalizing on Esau's urgent difficulty, vulnerability. By the way, if you go two chapters farther in Genesis, Jacob also steals Esau's blessing from his father in a real manipulative way. So the reality is here in these accounts, Jacob is not enemies. Jacob is not Esau's friend. He's an enemy. So this reminds us of the reality. And I do think for some of us, we need to adjust our worldview and understand this. There are people, organizations, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that are not your friend. That's the big point of this second thing. That are not your friend. The word enemy or enemies is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. That means about every third page, there's a story or a scripture that's clarifying in this situation there are some enemies involved. And I think that helps us balance the common understanding. There are some uh, circles that would talk about the Bible, and the Bible is a book of love. Yeah, some. Some of the Bible also describes things like there's enemies in the world. And the Bible also uses fairly frequently language like beware, protect, or it's time to fight. And that's because the reality of our world is there's enemies. A little side thought, in heaven, heaven's going to be awesome because there will be no enemies. But in this life, there's going to be trouble and there are enemies and we would be dumb, foolish to not understand that. Here's a fill in the blank. Life will have minimal success if we live unguarded, unguarded, oblivious to the reality that there are some people, some situations that are not there to help us. They're there for their own benefit or just to hurt us. Recently, I did a talk at a men's event here at the church 
And we talked about Adam and Eve. And in a nutshell, we talked a little bit about why in the world didn't Adam just recognize that the serpent was an enemy and do something other than let his wife just stand there and talk to him, right? Grab a stick, beat the snot out of the snake, do something. Besides, oh, wow, this is interesting. So here's a question. Are there unidentified snakes <laughs> slithering around my life? Just enemies. And I don't know that, I'm not trying to provoke us all to run around like this every day, like, ooh, wait, ooh. But I am trying to challenge us. Are you aware enough to protect, resist? Think of the different roles that you have. Some of us are responsible for kids, family. Staying aware that there are enemies out there of your kids. We had one of our kids, you know, grew up and they did the school thing. And remember one, they had some great teachers. But I remember one teacher I identified early on. I thought, I think you're an enemy of my kid. And so I treated the situation differently. There was not as high of trust. Does that make sense? Like, some of you think, oh, you're being mean. I'm not being mean. I'm just trying to live in the real world where there are enemy-type people there, and we should adjust. You should adjust for your sake, for others' sake, for your neighbor's sake, for your friend's sake. Just don't forget there are people and situations out there that are enemies. Even in the book of 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, we would commonly refer to it as the love chapter. It has all these warm, wonderful characteristics of love. Love is patient, kind, doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor people, self-seeing, it's not easily angered. But look at the one that sometimes I think maybe we would forget. It says love always, you say it, protects. Protecting is part of what love does. So we'll finish our time. I'm going to give you some ideas of how to protect yourself if you find yourself in the presence of an enemy. These are also guarding type activities. So here's one idea. Walk away. Just walk away. Esau would have been better off when Jacob said, let's talk about birthright. Esau should have just said, no, got up from wherever he was, Go to a different tent, go to a different place, and make himself a sandwich or something. Like, don't have this conversation. Just get up and leave. Second idea, pray. You can write that in. Pray against. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. By the way, I know the development of a prayer life is a process and a journey. Uh, if, you, if you realize right now, even when I say pray, you're like, I'm not sure how to do that. Watch for different classes and opportunity and groups that we'll do at the church. Because one of the things we want to do is help each other develop the ability to pray. And by the way, prayer is sometimes the, the ability to fight for things and against things. The last idea is confront. Sometimes if you're in the presence of an enemy or some, 
someone uh, or situation is out for no good, you confront. You can confront verbally. Sometimes in some uh, realms of protection, I think you can even confront physically. I remember years ago, uh, some of you know this, if you're in leadership, every once in a while, someone just likes to complain to your face about what you're doing. Welcome to leadership. So, a uh, person came to my office and they started complaining about my abilities. And uh, I listened to them for about 25 minutes and was like, yeah, I could, I could get better at that. I could get better at that. Yep, hey, I'm trying real hard, but I could get better at that. And I remember about 25 minutes in, they uh, started to talk about my wife. Jesse. You can talk about me all day long. In fact, you can come into my office and complain. I'll listen for quite a while. Um, and I remember when they brought up my wife and began that, and I said something like, whoa, stop. We are not going there. This conversation is over. And then I walked around my office and I... <laughs> Three of you were going, ah, no. No, and I just, I just, with a th- I said, stop right there. You will not. Because I'm going to protect my wife. We confront those things. So those are some ideas on how you avoid bad deals. You want to get that phone or you want me to get it? Hello? Hello, what would thou need from me? Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.